Let's check in with uh, the Defender discussions for this week. It is mm-hmm. the last Thursday of February, and it is February 23, and we are in the midst of the postseason, and we are getting uh, strong. Well, we're right into the other spring seasons that are underway, and I am joined today by Matt Boss and Ian Eshelman. And we are going to take a look at the past weekend and the uh, upcoming weekend, and a little bit has happened this week as well. And we could title this one uh, Stuff to Do because uh, we're taking a break from. Uh, the busyness of prepar- uh, wrapping up competitions, writing releases on postseason honors already becoming uh, coming in, and we're looking ahead at the weekend. And let's begin with last weekend, first of all, and it was a big Saturday. Uh, baseball was playing games, softball was playing games, track and field was at the GPAC Championship, men's volleyball was at home, men's and women's basketball were on the road at Jamestown, cheer and dance hosted their invite. It was a wild weekend, but it was a great Saturday when you take a look at things as a whole. And uh, let's begin with the Great Plains Athletic Conference Track and Field Championships, uh, women and men running down in Seward, Nebraska. And a great day for the defenders. Defender men captured their second indoor title, and the women finished third in the field. And, uh, Matt, you were on site to see that all transpire. And uh, what a day it was for the Great Plains, for the uh, Dort men's and women's track and field uh, programs. What a super day. Um, when you looked at that event going in and you're kind of piecing it together scoring on the men's side and a lot of things had to go right and had to go well for the men to uh, get that conference championship and lo and behold it happened and it started early with uh, us getting points in some of the field events the triple jump the long jump and the high jump those were key things that happened early um, and throughout the day, it was just a battle between us and Doan. And it, depending on the event that just happened and who was strong in that event, that school was ahead, uh, and it came down to the final three events. And uh, Dort, thankfully, uh, had enough, and they, they win their second conference title in three years. People get tired of me telling stories about the old days, but I'm, I'm going to – I have a question, and I want to set it up this way. I was involved back in another lifetime in a regional final day at Spencer for girls basketball in high school. And and what they did was they were having trouble with the weather, so they moved them all to the Spencer Field House, and you had a 1A, 2A, and 3A regional final back-to-back-to-back, and three of the teams involved were Siouxland Conference teams, one in each class, and the 1A team won in an upset from the Siouxland Conference. I believe it was George Little Rock. Then the 2A team takes the field, and it's Sibley O'Cheaton, or they take the court, and it's Sibley O'Cheaton. They won in a landslide. And then a toss-up game, MLC Floyd Valley was involved, and they beat, I believe it was Esterville Lincoln Central. And it was just like the momentum and the snowball started to roll down the hill. And all of a sudden, you're at the end of the day, and that conference had a sweep. I say that asking this, did you sense momentum building through the day at at the facility in Concordia. Absolutely, Mike. Absolutely. Like I said, early on, there were signs. And then the 5K happened. We knew that we were going to be strong. And that we finished one through five in that event. And you could just feel it. You could see it in our athletes that there was just a certain confidence. I was getting a lot of text messages from my son who was there and cheering on his teammates. And, and, yeah, there was momentum building, and it was it was just like a snowball, and it was hard to stop, and thankfully it didn't. And that uh, by the time I had an opportunity to actually sit down and look at things because of the busyness of the day, the 3K was getting set, and the 3K results came in, and I, I, I looked at it, and I, I think I said something. 
I think we just won. Yeah. And to go into the final event knowing that you've got it finished, uh, that that does not happen much in this conference. No, it doesn't. And just to illustrate how close it was, so the 200-meter dash happened. That was the second-to-last individual event. You have the two, you have the three that we're going to talk about here in a sec, and then the 4 by 4 is how it wraps up. Doan did well in the 200, as to be expected, so they had a lead. So we were heading into the 3K down a good bit, but we knew that it was a good event for us. Well, Peyton Malden, who had won three championships already, was getting ready to run the 4x4 if needed and because we thought it was going to come down to the 4x4. That 3K, the men's 3K, was one of the most incredible races um, intense, and everyone was yelling and cheering on their teammates, and it was such a great environment. And the defenders went one through five in that 3K. It was won by Joe Anderson, yep. then you had Davis Tebbin, you had uh, Aiden Vorster, uh, Peter Shippey, and then Thaniel Schroeder from way back got into that fifth spot ahead of two Doan guys, and that is what secured it. I talked to Nate Wolf at length on Monday. Craig Heinen wasn't in yet, and he said that 3K race, he said uh, there was a runner that came up and challenged for a couple of laps, and he said uh, it appeared to him that Joe Anderson kind of did a up and down on him like, what are you yeah. doing up here? Mm-hmm. And then it was just like the, 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 the cascading waterfall as, okay, boom, boom. Three, four, five, and uh, yeah, go into the four by four and didn't need to expend some of those people. Peyton Malden didn't need to run a four by four hundred. I think Don actually pulled one of their competitors out as well, mm-hmm. thinking it's it's done. We have nationals in a week and a half. All of that takes a cumulative toll, and so just a great ending, but a little surreal, I would think. Oh, it definitely was. Um, those three K guys, Anderson, Shippy, Teb, and Vorster and Schroeder. Keep in mind that they all had previous events as well. A yeah. lot of those did the five K early, yeah. uh, and so they're coming back tired with tired legs. But uh, wow, what a, what a race and what an environment! We're talking about the men, the women. Uh, tremendous yeah. performance as well. Third place in this conference and. Uh, there are many years where we'd be talking that would be the lead story is finishing third in the conference. And they, I don't know if they surpassed expectations, but I, I think they hit expectations from what I could tell in terms of the results. Most definitely. A third-place finish. Uh, you know, Concordia is so strong. So um, deep. So deep. Yep. They score in every event, and they score well. And so for the, for Dort to get a third-place finish, they beat Hastings, I believe. I think it was Doan that beat them right ahead. I think I have that right. But two individual championships, Emily Heinen and Jessica Campman, uh, but a host of all-conference performances in this is a women's team that is very good too and getting contributions from younger athletes as well yeah and talk this we have this weekend off from track and field and then it's the nai national championships if you can win the great plains athletic conference you could be in the hunt for a national title i mean that's that's the reality of it a lot of it depends on the timing of that those three days and how you're able to spread things out that's the men's side. The women, they're going to send a very strong contingent down as well, and they could score a significant number of points at the national tur- at the national championship in Brookings next week. Most definitely. Um, we are going to do well in the middle distance and distance races again. The one thing about nationals is there's always a prelim. Yeah. There's always that extra race, and so how many – 
able bodies do we have and how how much do they have left when it's all said and done but uh, uh, the defenders will be well represented up at nationals those bids uh, the qualifiers are released tomorrow by the okay. national office on Friday morning we have submitted what we are desiring to do we'll see what happens uh, when they come out tomorrow sounds good that is track and field and that begins on Thursday at Brookings next week correct sounds good um, I want to talk about baseball with Ian and uh, the defenders go three and one last weekend. And uh, when I talked to Ian earlier this week, it was should have gone four and zero. Spoken like a true assistant coach, <laughs> but you go three and one. You would have loved to have gotten that one with Southwestern, where you came back, took the lead, couldn't hold it. They get a home run. But again, this is the old man in me saying. You have to have some of those experiences with this group to move forward, in my opinion. So uh, three and one, uh, your your evaluation, I guess, of how things went on Friday and Saturday with this team. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with what you just said about having to needing those experiences. Hopefully, that'll pay off later. Uh, I mean, we had just to touch on that game. We had a, a young uh, pitcher come in trying to get a save, essentially uh, first time out, doesn't work out. Uh, Hopefully he can learn from that. I mean, uh, two starts this year, Nick Yeager has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think back to two years ago at Benedictine, who we who we played this weekend, uh, Yeager was actually in a very similar situation to uh, the one Price had uh, against Southwestern. He comes in, gives a big home run, and it's he learns from that. And now, obviously, he's been a an impact arm early through two starts for us now. So hopefully, uh, you know, he can keep that going, and hopefully, Price can can learn from that in a similar way. Um, so yeah, definitely good point. I mean, I think there, there's a lot to be excited about with our team. Um, it's, uh, you know, I think Friday and Saturday went well overall and, and definitely some key things to learn from Saturday, especially. And, um, you know, I think the team's ready to go headed into uh this, this will be a tough, uh, tough matchup for us this weekend with Benedictine. Um, they're, uh, they're a, a solid team. They're not going to give us a lot in terms of mistakes. They play clean baseball. And so we're going to have to play well. Uh, to go down there and then hopefully get a couple wins. Yeah, I get the sense that if you you start looking at teams that are outside our conference in terms of how they play, Benedictine strikes me as probably the type of program we aspire to be in that they don't kick the ball around much, they get solid pitching, and they they score enough runs. That's how I see Benedictine over the past several years now. Yeah, definitely. I would I would agree with that. Uh, probably three, four years ago, they had a, a really a really terrific offense, and that's a down a little bit. But but they still score enough, like you said. I mean, they're just a competitive program, and they're they're just not gonna not gonna kick it around for sure. I'm taking a look at some of the season stats. Uh, tell me about Drew Oreskes and Jason Carrig. Uh, they're both among your leaders in terms of hit hits, and uh, uh, they appear from the numbers at least to be swinging it pretty well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think those are both guys that um, we are expecting and, and uh, need to be dangerous uh, in the in the lineup all year. Uh, Drew Oreskes is a freshman, uh, so to see him where he's at is is really exciting. Uh, he's the scary thing with him for uh, hopefully scary thing for opponents is I, I think he can get he's got a lot of things he can he can kind of clean up and get better at still. Obviously, young in his career, and uh, yeah, he can be a really really dynamic player for us. Uh, can be a big power threat too. hasn't hasn't left the yard yet, but I would expect to see a few of those this year. Uh, Carrig is a transfer, and um, yeah, he's doing a good job and kind of sh- uh, holding down the shortstop spot for us right now. And 
um, he's going to be a key key player for us as well. Logan DeVries, you, he played a lot of third base last year. You've moved him over to second, correct? Correct. Is he? How how has that gone? That's a different position to play defensively. Offensively, he seems to be swinging it well. How's it gone defensively for him? Yeah, Logan is doing a, an awesome job right now, and, and definitely, I would say offensively, uh, maybe not leading on on the statistics, but in terms of like big hits and big yeah. spots when we've needed him, uh, he's really come through with a, a lot of RBIs early. Uh, specifically the walk-off uh, against York. That was him uh, with the bases clearing double. And then, uh, yeah, he's just picked up a number of, you know, one and two RBI hits here and there. So that's been awesome to see. But uh, defensively, um, we we moved him over to second this fall. Uh, some of that was just um, new personnel with, uh, you know, recruiting and some guys just working and, and trying to earn spots. So a little bit different with the personnel. And so we, we saw it an opportunity to slide him over there and it seemed like a comfortable fit for him and it, he did well all fall and, and it started out pretty good there uh, for us this spring as well. Nick Yeager, you touched upon him already throwing well. Uh, he's go, pitched over 11 innings, 20 strikeouts, 1.54 earned run average. What did he do this summer? Was he down in, uh, which, was it Wichita? Uh, was no, it at? was in, I, th- I believe it was Indiana. Uh, okay. He was playing for a team called the Lafayette Aviators. Aviators, yep. Okay. Um, he actually, he played with Kim uh, Gianju and uh, sure. Nick were, were together this summer. So that was probably good for those two guys, knowing that they're going to be, uh, you know, kind of our top arms and um, getting to play together this summer and both have some success there. I think it was, uh, was probably good for both those guys. Matthew Ramstead, who's he? Tell me about him. He's a freshman from Colorado, uh, and uh, we're excited about him. He's got a lot of potential, and, um, yeah, he's got a lot of learning and developing to do, but – uh, he's coming along nicely. He's, I mean, he's, I think he's six six. I mean, he's a big kid, um, and uh, I mean, he's got a lot of energy, and he's 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 awesome. But yeah, so hopefully we're we're we expect him to be a, a key contributor on the mound. Uh, he doesn't want to let the uh, the hitting die yet. Um, he he can he can hit it a little bit. I'm okay. not I'm not going to lie to you, but uh, you know the the upside on the mound is is uh, is a big deal. We are adjusting the schedule. You were scheduled to play two down in at Benedictine, and that is, uh, let's see, get my directions right, northern Kansas City, in effect. And uh, because of the feels-like temperature tomorrow, going to be in the mid-30s, not going to play tomorrow, still going to get a doubleheader in on Saturday. And then from there, it is practice and prep for the warm, sunny climate of Florida. I would imagine, uh, I would imagine the guys and you, the coaching staff, are looking forward to that trip. Yeah, definitely. Florida, Florida's, uh, Florida is always fun. I mean, it'll be a, it'll be a good time. And, um, I mean, we've been practicing in short sleeves a lot more, uh, that's true with, with the dome, it's always nice in there. And so, um, yeah, that, that'll be a good trip. I think to be honest, I haven't thought about it too, too much yet. Cause <laughs> a lot has to, to happen. Try, yeah. We're trying to, then, trying know. to get ready for Benedictine. So I know, uh, coach Edwards has been working on that, that trip Perfect. quite a bit though. All right. Well, that's baseball. Um, let's jump, let's circle back to Saturday and basketball. And when we talked one week ago, um, we were kind of not down in the dumps, but we were we were down a little bit. Yeah, yeah the the women had lost to Northwestern the night before, ended up being pretty pretty substantial. The men lost in heartbreaking fashion, and we were looking at each other saying, "Okay, how are they going to bounce back?" And uh, this isn't this isn't a recipe for a good thing. I mean, you hop on a bus, you go four hundred miles, and 
You play against two very good teams who uh, the women from Jamestown had a lot to play for, in my opinion. And by the way, you're going to do it shorthanded on the women's side without your two leading scores who just need the rest, physical rest, uh, because of some nagging issues. And lo and behold, the women uh, come out, and I, I thought, and I, I told Coach Harmson this, probably one of the grittier wins I've seen from a team just executing and people stepping up and stepping forward and making plays. And then the men, a slow start. And then it was, I, I felt it was in large part Luke Rankin saying, not today, and controlling the game from there on out for the last 35 minutes or so. And both teams came home with dramatic, or I should say, substantial victories against very good Jamestown teams. It was crazy. Basketball's a funny thing, Mike. Um, about the women's game first, you know, it's – it's funny what opportunity will give. You know, we some players had opportunity to step up in a more major role, more significant yep. role because of who we were sitting out. And, you know, our little freshman guard, um, Seavers. Yeah, Macy. She had a great game. Yeah. She was outstanding. And McKenna Klecker, great minutes. And Faith Van Hollen, Janie Sconhoven. But, uh, Macy Nielsen found her shot. Yep. Yeah. And she hit some big shots, and that continued uh, earlier this week too. Yeah, and uh, so the the women getting that win, and I, and I want to say as well for Jamestown, they did not know we Dort was going to rest Carly and Bailey. You game plan at this time of the year. It's about you prepare as best you can for your opponent, and yes, you're going to do what you do, but you have put substantial time into preparing for an opponent. And the lineup that the defenders put on the floor for that particular day, they played it much differently, I believe, than Jamestown probably expected or was prepared for. Correct. Jamestown, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, they're led by those guards. Yeah, they, they are. Two outstanding guards. They're quick. They're fast. And we had a fast lineup, and that made that lineup – Matched up pretty well against uh, Jamestown that day. The defense that uh, Faith Van Holland and McKenna Klecker and Janie Sconhoven played on the post in the post as well really proved to be a, the diff, uh, a difference. And then the men's game, uh, yeah, just a balanced effort and defenders shot it well. And uh, when you're playing from in front, they they manage to just play from in front, and that's when you have team a team and players that know situations and can adapt uh, I thought that spilled over then into Wednesday as the Dort women um, Macy Nielsen has a great game career high 19 points the men a substantial win against Dakota Wesley and a team that uh, we had a couple nail biters against and it seemed like Wednesday both Dort teams comfortable playing in the postseason yeah definitely um very balanced as well, especially on the guys' side. Uh, I love the contributions that Jackson Lusher is doing right yeah. now off the bench. He's yep. giving us great minutes and producing there. Um, Jacob Viss, Bryce Kopick, and and the guy you mentioned earlier, Luke Rankin, he, he is such a dynamic player, and he is the engine that makes this go. Yeah, the – I don't – I have had the opportunity I, – I went through in my head, okay, who have been the point guards since I've been here? And, okay, back to Sean DeStichter. And it was after that, Derek Kaiser. And then it was, I'm going to miss some people in here, so I apologize, but Cliff Warner. And then Nathan Rindles. And the, the list 
keeps going. And uh, most recently, Ben Gaysink. And so some pretty good point guards. And Luke, we've been fortunate to have some really good point guards over the last couple of decades. But Luke, Luke, in terms of setting people up and controlling tempo, getting the ball where you want it to go, um, there has been there have been point guards that have been as good, but I don't know that anybody's been better. And I, I think that's I think that's a testament to him. And that's not trying to downplay anything that those other people that I mentioned have done. I mean, I, I just think he's in that group. And he's a guy that can score. He can. He's proven that. Uh, his very first game as a defender, yeah. I had thirty points against yeah. William Penn, and but. He'd he'd prefer not to, and yeah. and I think maybe Dort plays better when he doesn't have to do that kind of thing. Yeah, but what he gives them in terms of scoring that that probably makes the difference. So um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for what this weekend brings. The uh, men will be on the road at Morningside. It's going to be a challenge, and uh, after having said all this, uh, you, you just never know. Morningside's got an outstanding team, and the women are hosting Dakota Wesley, and I think a team that matches up well with the defenders physically. Uh, they can shoot it a little bit as well. Uh, neither one of the games on Saturday you look at and say, oh, <laughs> We can pencil Tuesday in. Uh, those are going to be two real challenges, and I would not be surprised by any of the outcomes. Let's so we check off the list: track and field, women's basketball, men's basketball. A couple notes on women's and men's basketball. Academic all district announcements were made earlier this week by the college sports communicators, and on the men's side, Jacob Viss and Luke Rankin named to that list. On the women's side. Carly Gustafson, Bailey Beckman, and Janie Sconehoven. And if you ever want to feel like you may have wasted your college years, start taking a look at some of the uh, nominations for uh, those academic All-American, now academic All-American ballot, uh, because some of these athletes squeeze an awful lot out of the four or five years that they put in in college. And uh, those those well-deserving, and now we throw them into the hopper and see if they can be academic All-Americans or not. Athletes, uh, you know, they spend a lot of time in their sport, but, uh, oh, yeah, there's also academics. Yeah. And the rigors of the academics, and you may be involved in some clubs or some side things too. It's it's a wonder what what these athletes can do now jordan your daughter she was physical therapy was she hhp exercise science she went the hhp and biology she did the biology track okay so i just look at that and i think those are pretty rigorous definitely Um, those are pretty rigorous academics and you you throw in the people that are in accounting and financing in order to get to the point where they can sit for their cpa uh, at the conclusion of their college career, they've got to overload, probably take uh, 18 and 21 credits per semester uh, when the normal load is 15. Um, they they are busy and their time is spoken for. Uh, softball last weekend, you were in the Dome with me on Friday, Matt. I was there on Saturday. Uh, the Defender softball team goes 3-1, and one, and the game that they lost just couldn't score runs. End up on the short end of a 2 nothing difference. William Penn's pitcher, I think it was William Penn that Dort mm-hmm. played. Um, Dort Dort just couldn't get uh, couldn't get anything going against her. And some some game I I hate to use the well some games are like that. It felt like that was the case on that Friday. Yeah, nice pitchers duel. It was nice for us because it was a quick game and well played. Not a lot of errors. Uh, a pitchers duel. Abby Kramer pitched well in the loss, but just couldn't 
manufacture runs, and you're going to have that sometimes uh, with a dominant pitcher that you're seeing. You're living in that world a little bit, Ian, because, well, you're married to an assistant coach, but you're also around the Dome as well over with the softball. How, I mean, softball team, 6-2 and two at this point, uh, have they... Have, have you heard how they feel about the weekends that they've had? I mean, I, I don't want you to necessarily speak for someone, but what have you heard in your time over at the Dome with the softball team over there as well? Uh, I think I think softball is really in a pretty similar boat to uh, us. I think they feel good about it, but I also feel like uh, – I also think they feel like they can be a little bit better too. So, um, yeah, 6-2. and two. Not a bad spot. I, I know they're uh, they're enjoying the dome, and I, I know they get a lot of good practice in, and I know that based on what I see at practice. So when we're sharing the dome and they're practicing on the on the other side, and then when they're hitting, um, I mean, I know we've got some pretty good hitters on that offense, uh, at least in a practice setting. And so, you know, you, like you guys said, you have those games where you can't quite squat, scratch any uh, runs across, but I think their their offense will probably come around and. They've, they've got some some uh, girls that can swing it for sure. Haley Wilkin has given them a decent innings in terms of a second pitcher. Um, Brooklyn Cox, I believe she is a transfer in. She has uh, she's come up with some key hits. I believe she had she had the grand slam inside yep. the park home run yep. on was it Saturday? I, I, it I was can't. Saturday. On oh, Peru State, I think it was. Yeah, and she had uh, she had what ended up being the walk off with um, a double to the fence in the first game on Saturday. I remember time slots better than I do opponents, uh, simply because you get a little snow blind with all the games happening. But uh, she has hit as she's come up with some critical hits. Uh, Carly Olson, um, we were wondering about in terms of her health and bouncing back. She seems like she's getting there as well. And Abby Kramer, uh, I think by the time we move outdoors, uh, she's going to be rounding into uh, form just like she has past season. So I think the softball team wrapping things up this weekend with another 17-game extra. I think it's 15-game extravaganza over at the Dome on Friday and Saturday. Uh, they'll be ready to move outdoors when they go to Florida as well. Men's volleyball, uh, they're they're playing well. Um, got a win over Ottawa, three nothing on Saturday. They've been off since. They go to Kansas Wesleyan and Central Christian. The game, the match with Kansas Wesleyan, kind of. I shouldn't say it scares me, but it's certainly not a program you can overlook and get away with on the road. And if the defenders want to play for a conference championship here in the next half of the conference season, they need to take care of business this weekend. Can't have any hiccups at this point. In Kansas Wesleyan, this will be the third match that we've played against them. It's never it's a cliche, but it's not easy to beat a team three times, and uh, each time Kansas Wesleyan has been more competitive uh, in their matches. That team is Kansas Wesleyan to me is probably the team that has improved the most from last year to this year, and they had quite a turnover on their roster, and they have figured out a way to be much more competitive in the league. And like I said, that one does concern me. Central Christian, they're struggling. I, I think the defenders will be fine with them as long as they they serve and pass and get up at the net they're physically stronger and then that coaches and players aren't looking at it I'm sure but I am next Thursday they play Jamestown at home and for all intents and purposes that'll be the difference between uh, hopefully either a conference tie at that point or a two-game lead which would be insurmountable in my opinion 
for the uh, Jamestown Jimmies next Thursday. That's the match that we all have circled. After that, they go to California. They're going to play some good teams out there. And uh, just another measuring stick for this uh, men's volleyball program. Yep, they're into the receiving votes category of the pool now. They have made a step forward. And uh, uh, if they play well over the next two, three weeks, they could position themselves very well. Uh, You stub your toe and you get some hiccups. Then you're forced into trying to qualify automatically through the uh, tournament, which would in all likelihood run through Jamestown. So we will see how things transpire over the next couple of weeks. And finally, Cheer and Dance wrapping up their competition season locally. They're in the Great Plains Athletic Conference Championships this weekend. Uh, That is going to be hosted at Crete. Our good friend Rick Schmecker is primed and ready to host that event, and uh, that will encompass two separate days, Friday and Saturday. And uh, the dance, uh, if I remember correctly, dance, basically, it's Midland. Midland dominates these Mm -hmm. two sports. It's can teams move into that echelon and scare the Warriors a little bit. Right. Midland's kind of got the dynasty going right now in both cheer and dance. Um, The Defender cheer team is performed really well they've they've steadily gotten better yep they're scoring in terms of their scores their score is they keep setting records in terms of what that score is and and dance team had a nice showing this past weekend as well yep and that's uh, the cheer team uh, the cheer team showed their competition performance on what night was it tuesday night at the uh, great uh, with uh, the GPAC tournament, they uh, performed at halftime and in front of a large crowd that probably doesn't get the chance to see that competition. And I thought the uh, crowd appreciated it. I know that the athletes uh, loved competing or showing what they have done over the last uh, season to prepare, and uh, so that was good as well. I know that Ian has to get going. He's got baseball stuff to take care of. And Matt and I, we've got uh, we've got stuff to sort through this weekend as well. So I think that is going to do it. Did I miss anything, guys? Uh, just this morning, uh, Coach Tyler Morgan from the hockey program sent me a couple of guys that uh, that got some all conference honors. Should oh, we cool. uh, should I announce those now or should we save oh, that? Boy, cliffhanger. No, let's do it now because uh, we're, I'm, I'm going to forget by next week, Ian. That's, Fair enough. That's all there is to it. Give it to us. Yeah, so a couple of guys, uh, MACHA conference honors. Uh, first is Zach Espenson, uh, freshman yeah. defenseman, uh, 26 points this season and, and was really solid uh, on the de- – I mean, to score 26 points as a solid defender uh, to me is impressive. Um, and then Mason Carroll's uh, freshman was a huh. points leader for the defenders. Uh, he had 27 points. Uh, and was uh, a big part of a lot of the scoring. So, um, both of those guys freshmen, right? Yeah, two freshmen. Awesome. So, yeah, awesome. good, good to see. Yeah, and uh, their season ended a week and a half ago. But uh, I would imagine, and hockey recruiting and um, getting commitments and things like that. If I remember correctly, last year a lot of those came in in March and April. So, um, I would anticipate seeing some of those coming through as well as Tyler continues to build that program. So that's great. Anything else I missed? They can't hear you. I'm I'm good. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Just Matt? like to say, right now, five teams, five defender teams nationally ranked. And I don't know how many other NEI schools can say that, but uh, that's an outstanding thing uh, for the defender athletic program. Yeah, it's been a great winter. And uh, it's, in all honesty, having been able to watch – 
how this pro, how the athletic program has evolved, I'll say, over the last couple of decades, and for us, for the for those programs to be in those spots, uh, you got a lot of good people doing a lot of work, and uh, it does not come without many long hours that uh, people don't see because uh, you're contacting athletes, you're building practice plans, you're building training plans, all of that stuff, and it's all stuff, it's all activity that we sign up for, and uh, coaches enjoyed tremendously but it is still time and uh, so uh, to be in that position I, I think it's it's truly humbling and um, it's great for the program and over the next few weeks we're going to be busy I mean that's all there is to it as you map things out another softball weekend uh, national track for you predominantly next weekend Matt remains to be seen in terms of basketball where nationals uh, shake out spring break trips for softball and baseball and then they get back and they're local so a lot happening we but Again, uh, for those coaching staffs and athletes and uh, athletic trainers who get all of those athletes ready to go, um, it's great. It takes a lot of different moving parts to work together to get to where we currently are, and uh, it's a great thing to see. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's Defender Discussions. For Matt Boss and Ian Eshelman, I'm Mike Biker. Have a great weekend.